You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, Episode 110, The Farewell Address of George Washington. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben, probably one of the most important letters that wasn't an inaugural address or State of the Union or during a war <laughs> in our history is George Washington saying, see ya. Yeah, and it's amazing how much in the last, oh, I don't know, month, six weeks, I've heard it referenced too. Like, hey, didn't you read George Washington's farewell address? Remember it said this? So yeah, it was not only important 200 plus years ago, but it's important now. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy because we've talked about the life of George Washington and his successor, his Federalist successor, uh-huh. John Adams. And the 1790s were kind of crazy because you can imagine here Washington is, he's the first president and it's kind of scary to think that he won't be the president anymore. Yeah. Like the whole nation is in shock because as long as they've been a nation, uh, George Washington has been the president or at least a very influential figure. So here come, uh uh-oh, the Democratic Republicans or whatever you want to call them at the time that they were coming in. But there's there's other people coming in and it's scary. Yeah. So Washington, way back in 1792, was like, I just want to be the president for four years and then retire because Mount Vernon, it's a nice place. And I want to go, Mm -hmm. I want to go there and hang out. I've been doing this public service thing for over four decades and just seems like the right thing to do. Right. And that that word public service there is exactly the thing that was most important about Washington's stint as president is that he did view it as public service. And, uh, you know, now we see a lot of career politicians and uh, it's a job, not a service to the people. Not everybody, of course, but there are those people out there. And I think Washington was the probably the, you know, he was the first and last, I guess you could say, of people who were all totally 100 percent at least the way it feels now, public service. Everybody else, you can at least see a hint of professionalism or careerism or something like that. And he certainly didn't think that you should need to go on forever and ever and ever in order to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in 1792, uh, his buddy James Madison is like, hey, let me help you write this this farewell address. And... (laughs) You know who's coming onto the scene, or who's always been behind the scenes, is the Wizard of Oz himself, Alexander Hamilton. And for those of you who have been listening to the podcast, you know 
Alexander Hamilton is a very much a Federalist, and he's the Secretary of the Treasury. Well, there in that crazy Washington cabinet room, you've got the Secretary of State, who is Thomas Jefferson, who we know later on is going to lead the Democratic Republicans. So you have these guys who are strongly opposed to each other. They agree. Hey, George, you have got to stick around. And George is like, oh, shucks. Okay. So they put the farewell address over on the shelf, and Washington is the president for four more years. And by the time 1796 rolls around, Washington's like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to run for president anymore. And it's like, guys, uh, I'm old. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where we enter the final version of this famous address. So you ready to talk about it? Yeah, I think that's that's all right with me. Um, well, you mentioned that uh, initially James Madison helped him write some of it, and a lot of that framework did stay until later on. But um, yeah, Hamilton helped write the second version, uh, the, the I guess you could say the published version. And Washington talked a lot about a lot of things that, as I mentioned earlier, are incredibly poignant for even 2016 that, hey, if the guy who's, who helped start the country thought these things, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because what if this had been part of the Constitution and mm -hmm. what if each president had to swear to abide by the farewell address? Our country would look quite a bit different. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and, and so, like you said, Washington felt like it was his duty to serve a second term, but uh, he starts getting down on his health. Uh, he starts realizing that, okay, somebody else needs to take the reins because I didn't really want to do this in the first place, but everybody <laughs> wanted me to. So I'm going to peace out. So the first part he talks about is unity and being together, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. uh, as far as, you know, don't have these different political parties that are at war with each other and learn to work together through things rather than be opponents and things. He was very much known as being a loyal Virginian. And if you recall from our earlier episode about the life of George Washington, when he went off to lead some of the British troops back in the day, he wanted to be known as the guy from Virginia, not the British officer. So in the farewell address, he's like, hey, guys, we are not just members of a state or a city or a region, but we are Americans. And we need to look beyond some of these differences that we have, whether it be your religion or your habits, the way you talk, whatever it is hey, we are all about independence, we're all about liberty, and we need to be united. Yeah, and he even talks about the fact that people are already benefiting from the fact that this unity is in place. I mean, you see different things such as, um, you know, some decrease in taxes because they're able to share the burden with other states. You see the benefit of the entire group coming together in order to, well, win their independence. And uh, you start seeing a lot of different helping hands kind of go back and forth between state lines. So this is, this idea of unity is really important from the get-go. And uh, it's obviously Washington didn't assume that there would never be any problems in the future. Um, but, but he says, 
we're going to have security if you guys basically stick together. Um, but also at the same time, let's make sure we don't get too militaristic here because um, that's a problem. That's a, that's a problem with liberty. We, we need liberty. We don't need military. Um, but if you need military, at least you got each other. Right. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because keep in mind, here it is 2016 or later, and we have all of these benefits of the internet and news getting to us quickly. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but we're talking about a very large country when it comes to, hey, how long does it take to get from Massachusetts to Georgia on a horse? And how long does it take for communication to get from Virginia to, oh, let's say the Northwest Territory? It's going to take at least a couple of days. And there is a lot of difference between the people who live north to south or east to west. So there's a lot of wisdom in that. And very soon after Washington releases this letter, the country is faced with, oops, we're growing and we're growing really fast. So kind of, kind of interesting. Yeah. And I mean, there are a lot of people who say, well, if we keep getting any bigger, there's no way we can rule this land or, you know, I hate to, say, hate to use the word rule, but uh, there's no way we can rule this land as one entity. We need to make sure that it's a smaller, we need to keep it small. And this also came up during the times around the Louisiana Territory Purchase, but that's in the future. So pretend I didn't say that. Uh, but there's um, th there's this idea that we can't do that. And Washington says, yes, you can. It's an experiment. Even though the countries we come from are all small, just know that because of the form of government we're going to have here, this big land can be ruled. And he even put some things in place to make sure we knew where some borders were and, uh, you know, the, the Jay Treaty and the Pinckney Treaty um, to, to make sure we knew the borders. But he says, hey, we can do this. We can make the greatest country in the world and rule it all as one nation. Yeah, that is especially apropos when you think about how in Europe you can go just a couple hour drive and the people speak a different language. They have a different right. culture. And that really is the case on several continents. And here in the United States, whether you're from New York or California, yeah, there are differences, but we are the same people. We are the same country. We share a language. We share a, a currency. And by and large, we share the same values. So thanks, George. A lot of that's because yeah. of you. Thank you, George Washington. You are a man wise beyond your years, and you are very old. <laughs> <laughs> so Washington goes on to say that he's all about the Constitution, that, yes, the Articles of Confederation, that got the country off to a good start. But the Constitution is what we go back to, and we are a nation of laws, and the government needs to be of the people, and it needs to not be oppressive, and we will follow this Constitution that has been written up. And it's not going to be easy, ladies and gentlemen, for you to change right. that Constitution. Right. And, and I mean, he does say, if you need to, go ahead. 
but here are 15 reasons why you shouldn't and why it should be done very slowly and carefully. So uh, he he also talks about the fact that, you know, the different types of idealism and ideas in general that will come in to separate you are going to try to, you know, take out the rules of government that are in place. Um, there are different branches in place to make sure that we have a balanced um, balanced government and that everybody's kept honest. Um, sometimes those don't work out as we know, but uh, they're all in the in, in the best interest of the country. But if you let those go too far, people are people and our tendencies get to us and we want to start taking power away from people and giving it to people who are not power or who are not good. And um, there's a reason we have the checks and balances, essentially, he's saying. Yeah. Go, George. Thanks for that. Yeah. It's kind of funny, though. (laughs) Yeah. I think it, I do think it's funny how, um, and this is uh, an aside, this is not necessarily part of the episode, uh, everybody who's listening. Um, But it's kind of funny that George Washington talks about how people will overthrow the government if they don't like the things they're doing and how the government's good and set up the right way. And he just got done overthrowing a government that he didn't like the things it was doing. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's like, hey, don't do not do this stuff unless you want to be overthrown, like we just did 10 years ago. Yeah. It, hey, we all grow, we all change. And yeah. it's a little different when it's your government now. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah. Selective amnesia. Yeah, you can imagine what that would have been like. You know, a lot of people will ascribe our independence as being a political thing or a religious thing. Um, Some will say, well, it was just because they were taxing tea. But um, so be it. Go, George. I I think so. And, And that really dovetails into our next point, and that is with the idea of sectionalism being dangerous and political parties being something that will tear at our American government. He's acting, Washington and Hamilton and the other Federalists are acting more like people who would align themselves with Great Britain. And meanwhile, you've got the French Revolution going on and people like Jefferson are aligning themselves, or at least in practice, saying, we we like the way the French are thinking over there. We should be more like them. So Washington, um, even though he's thinking more like somebody who is British, he does see that danger in having a monarchy. And he says that, hey, these political parties, they've got to be restrained because they can distract the government from what they've been called to do, and that can create all kinds of jealousies. Um, It can tear the North from the South. (laughs) It can promote riots and insurrection. And moreover, foreign governments are going to look at this and they're going to say, oh, we're going to have a say in what happens in America. So political parties, you're a big distraction. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that, I mean, Washington starts out talking about unity. He moves on to talk about unity. Then in the third part, he talks about how you should be unified. Uh, so, like, yeah. if you didn't get the picture here, Washington is all about, like, guys, the reason 
government and, and countries fail is because people are not unified. Remain together, remain with a common goal, remain unified, and you will be okay after I am dead and gone. And um, yeah, like Jason said, the more fractions there are, the weaker the government is and the less things it can accomplish for the good of everybody. So yeah, yeah. good good thought on that, Washington. A little aside there, <laughs> for those of you who have read the Bible, that's kind of familiar to yeah. somebody else, what they said before they right. ended their career. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, yeah. checks and balances. Washington, he's defending the Constitution, and Ben, you alluded to this about uh, the separation of powers and how important that is, that we have these different branches of government and that not one person or one entity can just go in and overthrow the government. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this is as much a farewell address as it is a defense of the new country and the Constitution. Like, hey, guys, hopefully the reason you wanted to start this new country wasn't because of me. But just in case it was, here are the reasons why I think it's going to work. And, you know, it it really is all about here's how the government works. Here's how the checks and balances works. Uh, the... The, the fact that the British um, British government and the American Revolution just happened recently should only strengthen my uh, my point on this that we need checks and balances we don't just need a king or uh, we don't need like the French Revolution had with the the reign of terror um, we want to make sure that there are multiple people here to make sure we don't have a dictatorship yeah. So a more of a personal responsibility that each of us as citizens have as Americans is this obligation, as he would see, of us maintaining a certain decorum, a certain ethic, a morality. Uh, we need to be an educated people. And he saw a religious principle as being the foundation of per- public morality, and he argues that the American government needs to ensure that the the diffusion of knowledge throughout the U.S. is a primary goal and that government has been created to enforce the opinion of the people. And as a result, the opinion of the people should be informed and knowledgeable. That kind of makes sense, right? What do you think about it? If, uh, if the people have an opinion, it should be enforced. And therefore, the people should know what their opinion is. Yeah, that's pretty obvious yeah. to me. Uh, yeah, but it's great to have it reinforced. And like Jason said, he did base that strongly on his religious beliefs. Um, the fact that he strongly believed in morality, uh, he certainly wasn't um, for a state gov- or state religion, um, but he thought that all the best things were centered around a belief in essentially God and was very moral in that respect. Yeah, and think about how revolutionary that was, because here we came from a government that had a state religion, where there was almost this homogenous, you know, you live in this parish, you go to this parish church, and so Mm -hmm. on. And that's the way, that's just the way you do it. And he essentially said, look at all of these denominations, out of all of this variety, we can still have unity. And that was a a revolutionary way of thinking. Yeah. 
Hey, on to uh, government borrowing and the credit of the United States. Washington pretty much says, hey, I want the balanced budget to be a thing. Uh, we still have trouble getting that down sometimes, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want to make sure that our credit is great amongst other countries and amongst the world because really that's where – the success of a nation comes from. And so like some ways you can do that or I don't know, go don't go to war, don't borrow a bunch of money you don't need to borrow, pay off any debt we have gotten because of war or any other times. And um, if you don't have a way to take care of something or if someone doesn't have a way to take care of something, if they have a financial burden, you should help them. And so you know, Washington understands that sometimes you do have to borrow money in order to get something accomplished, but as soon as you can, pay it back. And um, I think we quickly deviated from that plan. Yeah, somewhere in there. <laughs> Not too soon after the ink was dry. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, we kind of took a turn. Right. And we've been trying to find our way back ever since. And Washington's like, look, and there's probably some taxes that you're not going to like, but we're going to have to pay them. And keep in mind, this is like right after the Whiskey Rebellion happens, which he like goes out personally to stop. So you could say that Washington was in favor of at least some taxes, but who knows how many. Yeah. And then when it comes to foreign relations and how do we handle trade and all of that, Washington sees – well, the position, the ge geographic position of the United States as an advantage. You know, we're off here on our own continent and we shouldn't be meddling in the affairs of other nations. We should certainly be advocates of a peaceful Western hemisphere. And we see a lot of those beliefs being held, you know, later on with the Monroe Doctrine and, and so on. Um, but Washington is very much of the opinion that, hey, uh, let's have a few friends, but let's not have really close friends. And those friendships can ebb and flow, and we're going to be the United States, and we're just over here doing our own thing, and we're doing it well. And um, yeah, we're not going to align ourselves too closely with anybody else. Right. Yeah. And he also mentions the fact that it's it's not really a far stretch that other governments are going to try and influence the American government. Because why wouldn't you, right? I mean, they're a new government. They're easy to manipulate. The people still aren't quite sure which way they're going. It's a totally different type of system than we're used to having or the, you know, the British at the time we're used to having. And he's warning the American people don't fall into their traps. There are people who are going to do this only for their own gain. Um, they're going to come and try to, to say they're going to revolutionize things. And really it's because they want to take over. And um, Washington's like, look, you guys are already isolated or you guys by, by you guys, he meant we, and by he, I meant I, uh, <laughs> you guys are, are here. You're isolated. There's nobody around. You know, Mexico and Canada weren't really all they're cracked up to be now. But uh, he says, um, stay out of everybody else's business. They'll stay out of yours. And um, that's important to, to Washington. Yeah. And this really positions Washington because think about it. Think. Go, let's go back to the cabinet room, right? You got Hamilton. You got Jefferson. Very much opposed to each other. And 
I'm living in 1792. Okay. So things haven't blown up between Jefferson and and Washington at this point, but they see Washington as being this wise man who really knows his stuff. He, He knows how to get things done and he has all of these years of wisdom. Well, this was one point in our history where you had people who were vehemently opposed on how to run a government, even to the point of who are we going to align ourselves with? Can you imagine our country where half of the people are like, hey, this foreign government is awesome. We should ally ourselves with them. And then the other half of the country saying, no way, we're not going to ever have anything to do with that country. You had that going on with Britain and France. Half of the politicians thought France was awesome, and the other half thought Britain was great. And somehow you had Washington who superseded all of that. He he was the man. Yeah. Uh, Washington also decides that during this letter he wants to defend the fact that he remained neutral during French's Revolutionary Wars. And you have to remember that a few years previous, uh, there was this treaty that America had with France, or at least maybe not America, but the colonies before they became America had with France that, hey, if you guys get into trouble or you get a revolution or whatever, we're going to be there to defend you. And then a couple years later, French go to war. France goes to war with uh uh, themselves essentially too right. and uh, Washington's like well we need to remain neutral and we're going to do that and we need to have a chance to mature and you know strengthen up our own inside of our country and a lot of people have problems with that and a lot of people are totally on board with it but he uses this time to say look I did the best I could do with the knowledge I had and um, that's probably the only critique the only real big critique that I can think of that I've ever heard of Washington's presidency is that there was this treaty that you didn't honor and that's not okay. Right. Yeah. That's kind of off on the back burner though. So, so Washington closes out his letter. He's like, Hey, um, you know, I'm not perfect. Please forgive me for anything wrong I may have done. I was just trying to do my best. No intention of doing anything wrong. And, um, I'm going to look forward to retirement. Yeah. Uh, And then a couple years later, he comes out of retirement, but we've already talked about that. He goes back into um, the the military because John Adams asked him to. And, you know, they're worried that they're actually going to go to war with France, et cetera, et cetera. But um, anyway, as of that point, he retires from public service and goes back to Mount Vernon. Yeah. And he hangs out and, you know, Adams comes in. He's a federalist, big time. And speaking of federalism and federalist, that's what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And Ben, I have no intention of retiring. Okay, that's good to know. Ever? Ever. Oh, cool. All right. Election college will go on until we both die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because we don't ever think we're going to be able to retire, we need your support. And we need your support by going to electioncollege.com slash Amazon and checking out all the good stuff you would normally buy there at the same price as you would normally pay. It's just that we'll get a little bit of a cut. Yeah. And help us get this podcast in front of more awesome people just like you. Head over to iTunes, 
give us a star rating and a review. I promise you, we do a happy dance every single time a new review comes in. And more than that, if there is somebody awesome in your life who you know would enjoy the content of this podcast, spread the word. If everybody would just tell one person about Election College, who knows what could happen. That's right. We will see you guys next time here at Election College. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.